Hi, welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast, where we attempt to equip people for kingdom release. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Betty with the message. Hi, everybody. My name is Elizabeth. For those of you who don't know me, or Betty, or Liz, or Lizzie, or whatever you choose to call me, I will probably respond to you. And I'm so happy to be able to share with you as a part of this series that we've been in through Lent, which is called Lord Have Mercy. So a few years ago, I was a part of this discipleship program that was traveling to um, Kenya. And so we were going to spend eight months in rural Kenya. We were going to be camping in these small villages. We were going to be doing camps for kids, and we were going to be working with local leaders. And so to prepare for this time, uh, this discipleship program was going to bring us through this really intensive, immersive training. So we were in Atlanta, Georgia, and they brought us to this camp, this Christian camp, and they brought us into the woods and they said, we are going to pretend now like this is rural Kenya and you are a Kenyan who is living here out in the bush. So they bring us out to this opening where there's this fire pit and they said, this is your living room. So this is gonna be where you're gonna hang out at night and where you're gonna spend time together. And this is also your kitchen. So this is gonna be where you make food and where you do the things that you need to do. And then they pointed to the left and they said, this is the guy's bathroom, which was just the woods. And then they pointed to the right and they said, this is the girl's bathroom. And that was just the woods as well. And they said, now we're going to show you where you're going to sleep. So they took us girls to this area where there were planks of wood. And then there was this little tin roof. And there was even carpenter bees that had made their home there. So at night, they would be burrowing into the wood and there would be sawdust falling on us. And we were sleeping in these wood planks out in, in this rural area in the woods. And so we had the clothes on our back, we had our sleeping bags, and then they said, you can have a certain number of what they called luxury items, which was basically anything above and beyond that. So it could have been a stick of deodorant, it could have been a, a bag of wet wipes or an extra shirt or an extra pair of socks. And those were all these extra items that we got to keep. So we sorted through our things and we kept our luxury items that we wanted to have on hand. And then we soon found out that as a team, there's about 20 of us, that as a team, we needed to buy food. So these leaders of our program, they set up this, um, this simulation of a market and we had to go with these items that we had on hand and barter for food. And we had to figure out how to do that as, as a family, basically. So one person would choose to give up their stick of deodorant for a loaf of bread, and somebody else would have to give up a shirt for a, a thing of water so that we could survive out in the woods together. 
and it was so fun. It was really intense, but it was so fun. We were figuring out how to work together as a team. We were figuring out how to rough it in the woods and make food over the fire, but slowly we started running out of things. We'd even gotten to the point where we uh, had to give up our hair ties. So at one point, all of us girls were sitting around the fire braiding each other's hair and tying it with grass <laughs> because we had given them up. So we got to the point where we had nothing left, but we still had to barter for food. So we came up with this idea where everybody had a job and we were going to start making things. So there was people who were out foraging in the woods and there was people who were sitting around the fire taking care of that. And people were getting really creative about what they were making. Um, some of them were making, taking uh, sticks and carving spears out of them. Some people were, were taking straw and connecting it to, to sticks and making a broom. Some people were making fire starter kits. We had this whole system going on and we were so in the zone. Like we felt like we were surviving in the rural bush of Africa and we were living our lives, doing what we needed to do. But then this SUV pulls up to our fire and the leaders of our program run out and they start bombarding us. And they start giving us a bunch of stuff. This girl ran up to me and she gave me an iPod cord and she said, here, you need this. And like tied it around my wrist. And I thought, what am I gonna do with this? I don't need this. And then they looked at the people who were making the fire and they thought, and they said, in America, we have stoves. Like, okay, but we're not in America, even though we technically were in America. But they said, we said, this is our life. This is what we're doing. Like, why are you telling us this? And then they started running up to us and without even asking, they took selfies with us or they said, are you orphans? Can we adopt you? And it made us feel like we were about this small. And we could see that these people, they came in and they were saying all these things that they thought were really nice, but really there was this air of superiority. And everything that they were doing was just trying to make them feel better about themselves while putting us in a position of making us feel even lower. And we soon began to realize that what they were doing is they were showing us a little tiny glimpse of what it's like when missionaries come in and they try to do all these amazing things, but they do it with this agenda to try to achieve some sort of super Christian status instead of actually seeing and actually loving and actually serving the people that they're called to serve. And that was such an eye-opener for us. We've been looking at Micah 6-8 over the last couple weeks, which is this call from, from the, this prophet that, that God had given words to him saying, this is what it looks like to be the people of God to seek justice, to love mercy. And then the end of that verse says, to walk humbly with our God. And it's possible at times 
to feel like you're seeking justice or trying to do all these good things or trying to show mercy to people. But if you're not walking humbly with your God, you can actually miss it altogether. C.S. Lewis once said that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And those missionaries that came in, those that were pretending to be missionaries anyway, it was pretty clear that they were thinking entirely of themselves in the process. And the person that we see that embodies this humility so perfectly and so purely is the person of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, we're going to look at Philippians 2. Because this really is such a great picture of explaining the humility that Jesus had and how he lived that out. So starting in verse 4 of Philippians 2, it says, Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not equate did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So as we talk about this humility and and how Jesus displayed it, would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your word and how it shows us your embodiment of this thing of humility and how you call us to that. I pray, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that that whatever words are just of me, that they would be forgotten, that they would fall to the ground, but that your words would pierce hearts, God, including my own, that you would show us what it means to truly walk out this thing of humility. In Jesus' name. So we see Jesus manifesting this humility in a couple ways. And we see that pretty clearly in this passage. The first way is how he was humble in his position towards other people the way that he saw them and the way that he heard them. Because Jesus, who was in very nature God, had every right to come at people or to pour out these handouts towards people from this this lofty place of superiority. But instead, he lowered himself, taking on the nature of a human. So that as he loved them, as he healed them, as he served them, as he lived life with them, that he was doing it out of a place of truly seeing them, truly hearing them, and truly being able to empathize and identify what it was, that where it was that they were coming from to understand their suffering, to understand their pain, to understand what it's like to live in a broken world. A couple of years ago, 
I was um, doing a, a kids club in one of the low-income neighborhoods here in town. And just before that, I had heard the news that my grandmother had passed away. My whole family is back in Iowa, and so I, I wasn't able to be there with them, but I was preparing to go back to be able to attend the, the funeral and be there with my family. And I have a friend who lives in that neighborhood where I was doing the club, and she had heard the news about my grandmother passing away. She's from Egypt, and so her English is pretty limited, but she still came to me to let me know that she cared. She walks up to me, and with tears in her eyes, in broken sentences, she begins to tell me that she loves me, and that even though she might not understand English, this is all me paraphrasing, of course, even though she might not understand English, she understands love and she understands loss and she wanted me to know that she saw me and that she cared and that she was there for me. And she hugged me and started crying and she felt and saw that I was cold. And so she literally took the sweater off of her back and gave it to me and said, this is yours now. And I'm not a big gifts person, but in that moment, I felt so seen and so loved and so cared for by her humble act of, of sacrifice, of showing me that she was with me, that she saw me and that she heard me. It's so easy when we try to do things for others, to just give what we think they need or what we would want. And that happens a lot. Like I'm sure many of you, as I have myself, gotten gifts before where you think, do they even know me? <laughs> Why did they think I want this? Right? And But we can do that so easily when we try to do things for others. But if we're not truly seeing them, not truly hearing them, and not truly trying to understand their experience, then we can miss the very best way to love them and serve them. And we see Jesus doing that so beautifully. So that's the first way we see Jesus's humility and the way that he loves was how he saw and he heard people. And then the next way is the way that he saw and he heard God. Right? So the next part of this passage, it talks about how he humbled himself in obedience to death. And Jesus in the Gospels, he says that he only does what, what he hears the Father doing, what he sees the Father doing. And so that meant a lot of different things throughout his life, right? So the first 30 years of his life, that kind of meant obscurity and not telling everybody who he was and what he was doing. But then eventually that meant a public ministry. Sometimes it meant that he was staying up all night long praying. And sometimes it meant that he was napping in the middle of the day on a boat. Sometimes it meant that he was fasting for long periods of time. And sometimes it meant that he was feasting. Sometimes it meant that he was with the crowds. And sometimes it meant that he was only with the select few. 
Sometimes it meant that he was fleeing from being captured and people trying to take his life. And eventually it meant willingly laying it down. See, Jesus was never running ahead of God. And he was never staying behind either. And it's so easy to do either of those things. A couple of years ago, I was involved with multiple ministries and had gotten to this point of, I had said yes to so many things that I was worn down and I was tired and I was overwhelmed and I was anxious all the time. And I felt like I needed some help. And so I started going to counseling because I wanted to be a healthy person if I was going to be helping and serving others. So I started going to counseling and I'll never forget um, one of the first conversations that I had with my counselor. And she asked me, can you tell me just what your week looks like? And so I started to tell her all the things that I do in a given week and just kind of casually laid them out. And then she said, do you realize that you're working over 70 hours a week? But not only that, that it's highly relational, like highly emotionally taxing things. And do you realize that that's not really sustainable for a person to do? And that struck me. And I, I took that before the Lord and, and a couple of things happened. One, I became pretty convicted because I started asking the question, why? Why do I say yes to everything and everyone? And the answer to that was a little bit painful to recognize because there was a lot of pride in it, right? We can think that we're being humble when we're doing everything for everyone, but a lot of times there's some pride involved there. And for myself, there was a couple ways that that showed up. One was this idea that I could be the one to help people. And um, I don't wanna say save people because I knew that was Jesus's job, but I think there was part of me that had the pride to believe that, that it was my job to do. And then on an, another level, there was also this pride that if I was super, super honest, I was saying yes to everybody because in my anxiety, I needed people to be happy with me. And my friends, that is not humility. Burning yourself out so that you can be some sort of super status Christian is not humility. And I love so much how Derek and Jerry have talked a lot about this idea of emotional health and that that's a really big part of our spiritual journey. And many of us can find ourselves in one of those two camps of either over-functioning or of under-functioning. And I've found myself over here too, where maybe I'm just, I'm tired and I, I don't take the time to see the ways that God is calling me to serve. And so I'm, I'm not responding to certain things and I'm missing it. And we can often fall in one of those two camps. And sometimes following Jesus looks like a sprint and it's a lot of work and maybe it's, it's a lot in a season of time. And sometimes that is what it means to follow Jesus. And sometimes 
Um, Jesus calls us to a season of rest and being still and being quiet and being restored. But many times it's this walking, right? Walking humbly with our God. Because when I'm saying yes to everything, what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm missing saying yes to the things that God has asked me to do. And so I, while I felt so much conviction from, from that realization, I also began to experience freedom. As God reminded me that I'm not the one saving people, that I'm not the one keeping everybody okay, and that I don't need to maintain their happiness with me. And that was so much freeing and began me on this journey of, of really trying to listen to what do I need to say yes to and what do I need to say no to. And that takes a lot of listening and a lot of laying down and repenting from my own pride. Because just like those um, leaders of the program that I was in that, that came in and wanted to do all of these things, they really were doing it because they wanted to feel better about themselves. It's funny, when we talk about humility and what do we do with it, it can seem a little bit counterintuitive at times when, when we try to figure out how do I make myself more humble because the whole point of humility is to think of yourself less, right? So I think that the remedy for this, one, is, is repentance, right? To try to, to repent of the ways that we have viewed ourselves in a superior way to those that God has called us to love. And then another is to, to listen. To listen to what it is that God wants you to do and to listen to the people that he's called you to serve so that you can know how to serve them best. And I'm going to say this. I think we live in a time when it's really, really hard to listen to people who maybe believe something different or who are living a different way because there are so many polarizing views. It seems to cause a, a, a lot of conflict, right? So it can be really, really hard to listen. But I'm going to say this. It's not wrong. I think it's important that we evaluate what we believe and think, um, and, and try to think about, is this, is this right? Is this true? Is this correct? But when we have come to terms with what it is that we believe, it's okay to be confident in that. Jesus was very confident in the truth of the gospel. So for example, me believing that Jesus is the only way to the Father, that's not arrogant. That's, that's being... Um, firm in what it is that you believe. And so it's okay if, if you believe that that set of beliefs is superior to another way of believing, because if you didn't think that, you probably shouldn't believe it. <laughs> so that's okay, but the pitfall is when you think that you are superior because you believe that way. And that so quickly happens. And when that happens, it makes it really hard to actually hear the people that you interact with. 
And that, that way of thinking of I'm superior because I believe this way or because I do these things, that is completely antithetical to the gospel of Jesus coming and dying for all who did not deserve it. None of us are superior to anyone. And Jesus, if anybody, had the right to to act in this air of superiority, but instead he lowered himself so that all of us who did not deserve it would have a chance to be redeemed. So my friends... I want to invite you, what is it that you need to repent? What are the ways that you have believed that you are superior? And who is it that you need to listen to? Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you humbled yourself to come and to live a life identifying with us, to see us, to hear us, to know us, and to sacrifice yourself for us. And I pray, Jesus, that you would show us how to be that for other people and how to be that in your world. God, give us eyes to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.